Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We're your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits from past television shows to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we will analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. You are. You're on the pot. <laughs> uh, welcome back to episode three of our planned four-part series on Freaks and Geeks. Freaks and Geeks. We will be covering episodes 10 through 14. Yes, we will. So, without any further ado, let's pour one out. Look, 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 look. I have the Bill's allergy. Oh no. I took some peanut butter whiskey and I put it in some Dr. Pepper. Okay, because uh, his peanut allergy sent him yeah. to the hospital. And it's gross. Well, yeah, mm. I mean, Dr. Pepper's already got a lot going on. Yeah, you don't want to add peanut butter to it. I don't want to taste it, but I'm going to sniff it. I was like, you definitely don't want to taste it. She's tasting it, ladies and gentlemen. I took such a tiny sip that I only got Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I think I think I was too afraid to take enough of a glug to get anything else. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. What do you got there, Laura? I've got the Laser Dome. Ooh. Uh, this was expected to be a, a psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just a pop and soca. <laughs> that joke will make sense when we get into a later episode. All right, so let's just jump into it. Let's go on with episode 10. Uh, I think we should continue with our trend of doing freaks and geeks separately. Sure. Um, let's do the geeks plot first. All right. The geeks are the B plot. Yes. So let's do the geeks first. Uh, the geeks are in gym class, and they are playing specifically softball. Yes. Which is... Which is in capital letters for some reason. Yeah, also not something that the men play. In my school, everyone played softball. <laughs> yeah, there are no women in this episode playing with them. It's just guys playing softball. And I was like, that's a bit strange. Was your gym class segregated by gender? No. Mine never was. So I was just curious if yours was. But I did, I was with a lot of the business kids. There were not a lot of women in my gym class, but there were some. We would occasionally, toward the end of the year, self-segregate a little bit. Mm-hmm. Of uh, Toward the end of the year when the gym teacher would give up. Yeah. The boys would play like touch football and a lot of the girls would just circle the track. Yeah. Uh, but you could do either. It was just... You could circle the track instead of doing something. Right, right. So you would, like, hang out with one of your friends. So we see the in agonizing detail uh, the teams get picked for softball. Yes. And we find out that, like, Alan, the bully, is not very popular. Like, he's picked toward last. Yeah. He's picked essentially last outside of the three main geeks in Gordon. And Gordon, yes. Harris is a sophomore. He's not in their class. Right. So uh, Bill is last picked. Yes, they, they and they do this great thing where Bill is, like, left all alone, and he kind of goes, oh, and the camera zooms out to show Bill alone with the scoreboard saying strikeout. Yes. And I was like, that is visually very interesting. Kudos. So, uh, Bill 
breaks into the teacher's lounge and steals the teacher directory because they're going to prank call Mr. Fredericks. Yes. No other teachers would be harmed in the making of this episode. Mm -hmm. So they call pretending to be Gordon's father. Yes. Complaining about Gordon being picked so late in the process, which is to me the ultimate coward move. Of like, you are throwing your friend under the bus a little bit. Right. The problem, I think, being is you can't be Bill's father because Bill's father's not around. Right. So, yes, you're throwing your friend under the bus, but, like, I understand why you wouldn't use your own father. And Bill's really leading the effort here. And you won't, and you can't really use Sam's father because Sam's father will straight up kill you. Yeah. So... Anywho, uh, they they repeatedly prank call teachers, and we meet Neil's dad, who kind yes. of tells them like a funny prank call he did. Where- oh, prank calls, huh? Oh well, boys will be boys. <laughs> I can tell you some great prank call stories. Really? All right, just one. We used to pick out a number. And we'd call it over and over and over again. We'd keep asking for Maurice, you know? We'd call him and say, Hello, is Maurice there? Hello, Maurice there? Hey, is Maurice at home? <laughs> you get the idea? We called for Maurice a lot. And call back an hour later and go, Hello, is Maurice? Any messages? <laughs> uh, Mr. Schweiber, or Dr. Schweiber, excuse me. Yes, Dr. DMD. Thank you, Britt Baker. <laughs> uh, Dr. Schweiber. Uh, condones it. He's like, just don't do anything. No heavy breathing. Don't be creepy. Yeah. Which I, I do love that morality of like, you can do stupid stuff, but don't be creepy or mean. Mm-hmm. So the next day in gym class, uh, Fredericks uh, convinces someone to pick Gordon and then offers to let Gordon play shortstop. And Gordon doesn't want to. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm happy on the reserves. He, he's like far outfield. Yeah. Which is the position I played when we played softball. Yes, where you can sit down. Yeah, uh, outfield where you were literally picking flowers Mm -hmm. and, like, making wishes on dandelions. I was that kid in gym class. So, uh, so, but Bill still picked last. Right. So then they end up trying again and prank calling again. And this time, it's a whole diatribe, which Noah will put here. Yes. Hello? Frederick? You're a turd, a stinky, fat turd. Go sniff a jockstrap, you boobhead. You love patting boys' butts. You love patting boys' butts, butt, you butt patter. You're a perv and a loser and a stinky turd. Who's that? Sir. An old friend. And also, Coach Fredericks is like on a date. Yeah, he's with some woman, which is weird. So, uh, we kind of have that little tete-a-tete. And Fredericks addresses the class about the prank calls the next day. And then calls each boy individually into his office. And makes them read it. Read the script, yes. And... We get a super cut of people reading the script. And Alan... Is my favorite in this part because Alan is laughing his ass off through this entire sequence. Yeah. Because could you imagine being given this kind of script by yeah. your gym teacher when you genuinely are innocent and didn't do it, mm-hmm. but you have 
have to read this in front of your gym teacher. Right. Like, that's nervous giggles, if ever there was one. Uh, Neil does William Shatner. Yes. Uh, Sam is awkward. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Fredericks realizes it was Bill. Yeah, because he keeps making them, like, read it in a lower voice, and he matches it up with Bill. And Fredericks is like, it's not my fault you're always picked last. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Like, he catches Bill, and instead of it becoming, like, immediate punishment, it's like, why did you do this? And Bill's like, I'm sick of being picked last. I'm never given a chance. I could be good, but we'll never know. And, like, it's cool that Mr. Fredericks, like, has an understanding rather than going snap to punishment. And he goes, like, it's not my fault that you're picked last. And Bill goes, you could change this. Yeah, you have all the power. It is your fault. This could change if you let me pick the teams. So the next day, uh, he goes, we're going to have different team captains. And he picks Gordon and Bill. And Gordon's like, why am I part of this? Yeah. <laughs> Which I do Poor love. Poor Gordon. Gordon's like, I don't really want to do this. So they pick, like, the first people they pick are, you know, Sam, Neil, and the other, like, dork from the beginning. Yeah. Who's not a character. And the jocks have to, like, stand there and not get picked. And, they, and one of the uh, jocks goes, oh, no, the geeks inherit the earth. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's real stupid. So then... Uh, it's not going well. We yeah, see later in the game. Yeah, like, this This is going to be, like, feel like such a victory for them. Like, where it's like, yeah, we get to play our way this time. And we're going to be given a chance. And most TV shows would, like, end there. But this time we see the game and Sam is pitching and walking everybody. Yeah. And then... Sam sucks at pitching. Yeah. So Bill calls time out to give him, like, a pep talk. And he's like, just take me out. And he goes, no. I was like, well, do you have any advice? He's like, no, I just always wanted to do, like, one of those on-the-mound meetings. <laughs> so then one of the kids on the other team hits the ball, and we get this, we get the Rocky theme start to play. Yeah. And you immediately go, Rocky loses. Yeah, Rocky loses. <laughs> so, but then, in a beautiful moment, Bill catches the ball. Yes. Sam and Neil rush him and hug him. And then Alan yells, yo, that was the first out. Yeah, and you just see everybody running the bases. And you realize it's the first out. And then mm. they go, only eight and a half innings to go. <laughs> and it's just like a nice moment. Yeah. I, I lived through this experience. Uh, I was like, I was kind of in between the geek and the athlete when I was in grade school. Okay. And then I remember one time on at recess uh we did like a geeks versus jocks game and the geeks were like no this is our chance and i was like i don't know if i'm on this team in this situation uh so i think i refereed <laughs> I, I was a neutral party i tended to be picked last in Sports that weren't volleyball. I was decent at volleyball. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even that I was particularly bad, but my apathy was incandescent. I mean... Like, I, I could not have been more obvious about how little I cared about a lot of these sports. Yeah. But but at volleyball, you weren't a Daria? No, I actually was, like, decent at it. I did yeah. like volleyball. 
See, it's it's weird because I went to Evokey, and I actually really liked gym class because we had zero athletes. So it was like, because it was me, a lot of the business and computers kids, a lot of the theater kids, and a couple like of the transportation kids. And I distinctly remember this one like silly moment where we were playing flag football. And uh, I was covering one of the transportation kids and he caught it and just like blew away from me. Like, totally outran me. And I screamed at him, Dom, I thought you were lazy. And I remember he lit up. Because it was probably the first opportunity he had to be, like, the athlete. (laughs) And we all had kind of a moment like that. Because it was a bunch of computer nerds playing lacrosse. Oh, my gosh. Lacrosse was the best day. I loved lacrosse. Uh, We had a rite of passage in our gym class. Uh, senior year, there was a month-long unit on line dancing. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. No, no, I, I loved that unit because to me, I'm musical theater. To me, I was like, oh, a thing that's not hard and that I'm actually as good at, if not better than a lot of the class at. Right. Because picking up choreography, like, oh, yeah, and I still do uh, the Footloose dance that was popular at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's a version of it going around TikTok that's a little bit more uh, gussied up than what I learned. But what I learned was aimed at a gym class, not for da- actual dancers. Mm-hmm. That was the only time I was like, yeah, gym class, it's line dance. And then they took us out to like a farm and we had mm-hmm. like a nice lunch and line dance to all day. Yeah. Senior year, fourth marking period at my school was a joke. Yeah. So, the A plot is a Lindsay and Kim-centric plot. Yes. So, they start with Lindsay and Kim hitchhiking, and Lindsay's like, we're just like Kerouac. Yes. A car stops, they get in, the guy doesn't want to answer any questions, and he pulls over a block down and reveals that he's Lindsay's dad. He's a friend of Lindsay's dad. Yeah. Because they're from a small town. Mm. Because Lindsay is a dumb, smart girl. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Weir scolds her when she gets home, and they want to invite Kim's mom to dinner. Yes. Because uh, they don't particularly like Kim. Yeah, they don't know anything about her. And, like, I used to be friends with all of your friend's parents. Yes. So, uh, Lindsay can tell, like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. But it's gonna happen anyway. So, Kim's mom is a divorcee, and... Which confuses me. Because I thought there was a guy there at... She's referred to as the stepfather. That's a stepfather. Yeah, he's referred to as being their stepfather. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure. she makes comments about raising them as a single mom. So the remarriage could have been fairly recent. Very recently, okay. And it also would actually totally line up with uh, Kim starting to act out as a little older. Feeling Mm -hmm. replaced. Like, it's not an uncommon scenario. And she makes a comment about how Chip is uh, Kim's brother. He's a sweet kid with water in his brain. Water in his brain. Which is like a brain bleed. I mean, I I think it's an expression to mean that... Brain damage. It is uh, a traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. It is a euphemism for it. And Kim's... Now, Kim and uh, Lindsay are not in the room for this, which is very important. Yeah. Uh, Kim's mom talks about how... She lies. These girls tonight, they all lie. 
She says to me, mm -hmm. I'm gonna go study at the library. She goes to a party, she gets loaded. She says she's seeing a movie. She's fooling around with some guy in the back of a van. Oh, my. Wanna know how I find out? How? I read a diary. I sneak into her room and I read it. Afterwards, Jean and Harold ban Lindsay from seeing Kim. Yes. And then have a conversation alone and Harold wants to read Lindsay's diary and mm. Jean is against it. So the next day at school, Lindsay tells Kim she's not allowed to hang out with her. And Kim tries to no-sell how upset she is. Mm -hmm. And after pushing on Lindsay a little bit, Lindsay says that her parents think she's a bad influence. They think she's dumb. Yeah. Uh, they think she's easy. and But Lindsay doesn't agree. Right. And then there's a bit where just, and I've been Lindsay in this scenario, where you're trying to like talk to one of your friends. And her teacher's trying to get her to go in. And Lindsay answers in very good high school Spanish. Yeah. Lindsay, mueve tu cola. Just a minute. In Espanol. Lo siento, señora Jara, pero está hablando con mi amiga. Es importante. La clase es importante también. Yo sé, pero puede esperar un momento, por favor. Yeah, like she answers in good high school Spanish. Like yes. not, not fluent Spanish, but like mm -hmm. very good for a high schooler in 1980. Yeah. So... Uh, so she tries to, like, get Kim to talk to her. Kim runs off, and then Lindsay just kind of goes back yeah, to class. I guess I'm going to class. Meanwhile, uh, Lindsay's parents are trying to break into her room. Yes. And this, uh, Harold improvised a lot of the scene. The actor oh, who really? plays Lindsay's dad. Okay. The, uh, the sewing kit with the birth control. Aha. Uh -huh. Birth control pills. Our little daughter with a sewing kit. Uh, there's one line I want to point out that he says here. Yes. Is he says, because the mom doesn't want to read the diary and because she doesn't believe that Lindsay would lie. Mm -hmm. And he responds, we believed she wouldn't cheat and look where that got us. And I was like, oh, they actually referenced it when they cheated on the math test. Yes. There's no sign of repercussions from that, but at least... It did, in fact, happen in this universe. Yes. So, uh, Lindsay has a tip. They find her journal, and Lindsay has a typical thing, warning snoops. And what they find in their diary upsets them deeply. She has a typical I am 15 and this is deep rant mm -hmm. about uh, her parents being repressed robots with a monotonous routine. Uh, she goes into considerably more detail than that. But talks about how her mom makes the same thing for dinner every night. Her dad comes in like a fascist dictator who's afraid that if he helped clear the table, his penis would fall off. Yeah. But like very, like extremely bog standard teenage rant mm -hmm. of my parents are boring. They're, everything's so monotonous. This sucks. So... I just want to mention this scene because it's the only sign we get of Nick and Daniel. Uh, Nick and Daniel are discussing the worst way to die. Yeah. And Lindsay sits down and Kim is not talking to her and Nick feels awkward around her still because they've broken up recently. Yeah, continuity exists. So she gets home from school and 
Jean, having taken the diary to heart, has tried to make Cornish game hens for mm-hmm. dinner. Like, tried to make something different than pot roast or meatloaf. Yeah. And Sam says, is this a pigeon? <laughs> and Harold, like, plays with his food and insults it. And the actor playing Sam is actually cracking up. Yeah. Because he was, like, so entertained by the actor who plays Mr. Weir. And uh, he kind of, like, plays with the chicken, insults his wife, and she's very hurt by yeah. all this. So Daniel takes Kim, Lindsay aside and begs Lindsay to talk to Kim. And she's like, I thought she was too tough to be upset by what my parents said. Mm-hmm. And Daniel calls Kim, quote, the rawest nerve there is. Yeah. And we get a great scene. This is a scene I really enjoy after this. We're in an English class that Kim and Lindsay are both in. Which, again, always seems weird because you would think Lindsay would be in, like, an accelerated program Mm -hmm. with how smart we're told she is. And they're still discussing On the Road. The teacher asks Kim what the theme of On the Road is. And she flounders. The theme is America. And... Being... On the road is about being on the road. I hated the book. All right? I have no idea what it's about, and the writer was clearly on drugs when he wrote it. I mean, it just, it went on and on and on like it was written in a total hurry. If I handed in something like this, there's no way I'd get a good grade on it. I mean, it's boring and it's unorganized. And I only read 30 pages of it anyway. I think Kim's right. Kerouac was high on Benzedrine during the three weeks he took to write on the road. The structure of the story isn't strong, and his experiments with prose style are tedious. In fact, Truman Capote said about On the Road, that isn't writing, it's typing. And then the English teacher goes like, pearls before swine. (laughs) And I've had that moment in English classes. Uh, There was a moment where we were discussing measure for measure. I I took a class about the uh, Shakespearean comedies, Mm -hmm. and... Uh, the teacher went, what's the difference between measure for measure and everything else we've read this semester? And I raised my hand and went, measure for measure sucks. <laughs> I was in an honors class when I did that. Mm-hmm. Just That was just a thing I felt was appropriate yeah. to say. Because it was one of the problem plays. <laughs> so, uh, Lindsay invites Kim over. Because Kim is now, like, warm to Lindsay. Because they they make up. Kim's like, you didn't stand up for me. And Lindsay's like, I don't believe in what they said. But she did stand up for her in class. And she's like, you know what? Come over to my house. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care what my parents say. Right before they get home, Harold and Jean have an argument in their bedroom where Harold doesn't like the cooking and Jean calls him a mean old man. Yeah. And says she feels unappreciated. Yeah. What was it she read in the diaries, like, really hitting home? Yes. And Harold's like, I do appreciate you. Everything I do is to serve you. Mm -hmm. And uh, they kiss passionately. And both of their children and their children's friends come Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Kim and Lindsay and the geeks. And they hear something from the bedroom and Kim and Lindsay go, are they fighting? And the geeks with like a thousand yards stare go, no. No. (laughs) And then the parents announce like, the parents see Kim there, who they've banned their daughter from hanging out with. And they're like, 
guys, order a pizza and go yeah. back into their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. So one of the notes from the uh, one of the notes from the commentary that I do want to bring up here mm-hmm. is uh, this is when they start running into a lot of issues with uh, airing. Okay. Because they got hit by the baseball playoffs, and then there was a plane crash, and the network at one point stayed on a cold shot of the water instead of airing Freaks and Geeks. Wow. So uh, this ended up being a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, So this is like when blood starts to be in the water for the show. Yeah. So to speak. Um, Maybe shouldn't have used that with the plane crash. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, that was just a bad metaphor. My bad. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Apologies. Uh, a few things I just want to say quickly about yeah. this episode is, uh, one, I really like just the narrative of, like, I don't care what... Because Kim just keeps saying, I'm not upset because of what your parents said. Yes. And then Lindsay's like, well, then why are you upset? And it's very much just like, I wanted you to stick up for me. And this is, like, it's great to see Kim vulnerable and truly, like, she cares about what Lindsay thinks of her. Because they're really friends. Yeah. This is a very nice episode when it comes to that. There's a few little nice tricks in this episode that I want to bring up that like we can't really talk about because of the way we break these down. But it's always cutting back and forth between the freak storyline and the geek storyline. Yeah. And they were tied together like thematically. Yeah. Through lines this yes. time. Because there's a moment where uh, like Nick is singing a song and Daniel's like, could you please be quiet? And then when it cuts back to the geeks, Bill is muttering about how he doesn't like being in left field. Yeah. And Gordon's on the ground just goes, can you please be quiet? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice like way to tie this together. And then there, there's a moment where both the freaks and the geeks step in dog poop. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice, like, bridge from one story to another. It's weird that it's poop that is tying them together. But we're ten episodes in, and I was like, oh, I see growth in this show. Yeah. Like, they're figuring it out how to, like, stitch these stories together a little bit neater. That's awesome. Because it it reminds me of how, like, at the end of every episode of Scrubs... It turns out, like, the A plot, the B plot, and the C plot all have all the connected. same lesson at yes. the end. Like, the voiceover that JD does for his own story fits all the other stories, yeah, like, real nicely. Yeah, and usually played over not only JD's conclusion for the episode, but... Elliot's. And, Elliot's and Dr. Cox's. Yeah. So, it's, it's nice to see this, like, growth in the show, where it's, like, stitching things together nicely. Yeah. So... Uh, the next episode is called Looks and Books, and this did air exactly a week later. I'm going to start making sure I mention air dates. Yeah. Because stuff to get wild in yeah. this episode. Um, so do you want to do the freaks first this time? Uh, I'm going to actually do the geeks first because I think- Oh, this is the one where the geeks do next to nothing. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about this episode, I think. Yes. And the geek storyline is so dumb- You're right. That I'm just going to fly through it, Okay. Uh, Sam's upset that Sydney is still with Todd. He believes the only reason Sydney likes Todd is because Todd has good hair. So he combs his hair one day. It's not enough to get Sydney's love. Surprise. He also has to start dressing better. So he goes back to the store that we originally saw Jason Schwartzman, and we see Joel Hodgson again. Woo! Yay! 
okay. And Joel's like, you know what you need to look good? A jumpsuit. A Parisian night suit. So he sells a jumpsuit to Sam. Sam shows up to school all big and confident in a jumpsuit that makes him look like Dr. Venture. And a chain? Like, I don't know where he got a gold chain. Everyone laughs at him. Uh, He is trying to uh, go home. And he ends up uh, getting bullied by Alan. Alan's like pushes him too far to the point where Sam actually starts to fight back. Yeah. The guidance counselor like breaks up the fight. Sam asks the guidance counselor to take him home. The guidance counselor drives him home. Yeah. Which would not fly today. It was the early 80s. Uh, They have a talk about how it's not the clothes, it's not the hair, it's that you believe that you're confident. If you believe you're cool, you're cool. So Sam starts to believe that he's cool. And he becomes a little cooler. Yeah. It was it was 20 minutes on hair and clothing. All you right. didn't need to spend much time on it. I hope you enjoyed this summary. So now we're going to go to the uh, the Freak storyline, which is definitely the A storyline this time. Oh, yeah. So the Freaks. I, All right. This is going to be big. So get ready. So uh, we the cold open is Lindsay getting asked by like two random jocks like, friend was wondering, uh, if I gave you a joint, would you have sex with me? What? <laughs> I can't believe you did it. Yes. Establishing that she's getting a bad reputation yes. for hanging out with them. Despite the fact that she has never had sex and never smoked weed. Yes, but she's getting that reputation. Yeah. Uh, the freaks want to borrow Lindsay's parents' station wagon, uh, for an amp. Yes, because the band, which we saw break up. Yes. Is now back together and getting gigs. And I believe they actually have a joke about the band breaking up later in this episode, too. Yeah. So, uh, she says, no, I can't take my parents' car. They'll never let me. And smash cut to she steals the car. Yes. And the freaks are the worst passengers of all time. Uh, they don't exactly know where they're going. They're all yelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ken's like, you might want to roll down the window. <laughs> Ken farts. And then she's distracted and she hits a car that's pulling out of the driveway. Yeah. Sidebar, she would actually technically not be at fault in this accident. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, so the, the car Lindsay hits calls the police and through the entire thing, she is trying to reason with the driver while the freaks make everything worse. Kim yeah. yells at her. Daniel yells at her. Mm-hmm. And... We then get a dinner season. Sam's not in this scene. Uh, you get the impression like Sam was like told to go to his room after this. Like, oh, you know, we're having dinner. Go to your room. We need to talk to your sister. Yeah. And Harold says like, we could report you for Grand Theft Auto and send you to jail. Yeah. So Lindsay has finally destroyed her parents' trust in her. Yes. And she's super grounded. He forbids her from hanging out with the freaks. And she's like, I don't want to. Because she's yes. furious with them. Uh, just real quick. Linda Cardellini's performance in this. In this whole episode. She is just sitting there silently crying. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Linda Cardellini's performance in this episode is superb. 
Linda Cardellini's episode uh, performance in this show, yes, is above reproach. But like, this is the Emmy reel. Is this episode? Yes. So she's then in her room crying, and my favorite character, Millie, shows up. Millie is here. Uh, Millie is allowed in by her parents and allowed yeah. up to Lindsay's room. Uh, you get the impression that they're neighbors, and there was a time where Millie probably just came and went from this house like it was her own. Yeah. So Millie tells Lindsay a funny anecdote about mathletes, and they're chatting, and Millie is like a good friend to Lindsay. So the next day we see Lindsay reconsidering her wardrobe, and she puts on what she clearly used to wear prior to becoming a burnout. And she kisses her parent. She walks to school with Sam instead of going with the freaks. And uh, she immediately runs into the freaks. And Kim laughs at Lindsay for being dressed more like primly. Mm-hmm. She just shoves through them. She tells Daniel to go to hell. Tells yeah. Kim to shut Lindsay up. Lindsay goes off on him. And Ken loves it. Yeah, Ken uh, giggles. Then the freaks immediately talk uh, poorly of Lindsay because she's right. And then they talk about what their plans are. Because she's kind of accused them of having like no aim in life no goals no plans yeah and they, they want to prove her wrong so they're like oh i got plans ken's plan is to wait for his father to die and then sell his company uh kim wants to become a lawyer yeah which you're gonna need some better grades <laughs> if you're gonna be a lawyer uh nick thinks this whole tantrum is about their breakup yeah nick is just like oh it's yeah she's not taking the breakup well and daniel doesn't really seem to have any plans or any future yeah, he just keeps saying like i have plans and yeah. then when pressed what they are he just kind of responds they're big yes so uh we see lunchtime and Lindsay comes with her tray and asks to sit with millie and the mathletes yes And they happily kind of like budge over and make some space for her. Mm -hmm. Well, I I would also like to say Millie's killer joke. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's a Texas Institute calculator. Then how come it's made in Taiwan? Big laugh. Yeah. It's very, they're they're sweet nerds. Mm -hmm. So they've got like an entire posse. And Millie asks Lindsay to a sleepover. And Lindsay's like, I'd like to go, but I'm grounded. Yeah. And Millie's like... Just ask your parents anyway. Millie's strongly implying that the weirs will let Lindsay do stuff if it's with her. Yeah. And I've been Millie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, this next group of episodes, I really identify with Millie a lot. Yeah. And I've been Millie in this scenario of, oh, yeah, just say you're with me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lindsay asks the coach... To rejoin Mathletes. And he begrudgingly allows it, but tells her he's going to have to put her in the reserves. Right. Because she quit. Yeah. She And she hasn't been to a practice all school year. Mm-hmm. She's not going to go right to first chair. Yeah. First block. First block, yeah. Uh, Daniel and Kim have an argument because he's trying to seduce her into cutting class and going to have biology extra credit. Mm-hmm. And... She's like, no, I want to go to class. Yeah, I need to actually go to class. Which is like nice to see the freaks having this moment where it's like, maybe Lindsay's had an effect on them. So we then meet Shelly Weaver. 
She is the mean girl on the Mathletes who currently has first block. Yes. And uh, clearly nobody likes her. Well, everyone welcomes Lindsay back with open arms except for Shelly. Yeah. Shelly is like really snipey and kind of like, at one point she's like, you hang out with that Kim Kelly girl, right? You know she's pregnant. And I did a spit take because I was not ready for that and choked on my seltzer. Yeah. And then, like, even the other dorks kind of, like, defend Lindsay. Yeah. Because I, you get the impression they don't like Shelly either. Right. But now Lindsay's being, like, talked down to by this girl. Lindsay's been motivated to become the best mathlete she can. So now she's hardcore studying, and her goal is not to win as a mathlete, but to crush Shelly. And the, uh, the various mathletes who are not Millie and Lindsay were named after uh, female NBC executives oh, who really? supported the show. Hmm. So that's a, a nice little bit. But after a couple of practices, they realized that uh, for Lindsay to be on a starter for this next scrimmage... Which the Kachewski says multiple times is super low stakes. It's like yes. a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Millie has to sit out for Lindsay. To yeah, be. so I, I really want to Based stress this because there's a lot of like important little moments here. Uh, first off, Lindsay's studying her ass off. Yes, to the point where she's no longer eating dinner with her parents. Yes, and she's like, "I'm just going to eat in my room," and. She's like, you've been studying... Her mom is like, you've... Lindsay, you've been studying nonstop. Why don't you take a little break? Mom, I can't. Not if I want to win. Lindsay, there is more to life than competition. Not if you want to wipe out Shelly Weaver. Oh, is she from Lincoln? No, she's on our team. Oh. Hey, Lindsay. What? Are you having fun? Yeah. Of course I am. Are you having fun? And Lindsay goes, yeah, like kind of like this unsure yes. And then she's pushing this, the coach to put her on the team yeah, because she's better at math. She just is. And it's creating this narrative that it's either going to be Lindsay or Shelly on the team when they compete. Yes. The truth is Shelly's really good. Lindsay's really good. They're going to keep them both. So they bump Millie. And it's important because all of a sudden, Lindsay doesn't want Millie to get bumped. Yeah. But Millie's all about it. And this is when you really start seeing this, like, sub-story. That Millie so misses her friend, Lindsay. That she will sacrifice. She, she will gladly sit out if it means Lindsay comes to Mathletes every day. Yeah. Lin- Millie is the MVP of this episode block oh. that we're covering. Oh, today. yes. And uh, so, like, Millie is graceful and good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we then get this very weird little scene that we should mention. Yeah, it, it's, it falls out of place of everything that's going on, but it is the weirdest scene. With Daniel and Harris. Yeah, the, the geek sage, basically. Yeah, the sophomore geek sage. Uh, Daniel's like doesn't know what to do because he's not going to go to class, but all the people he cut with actually went to class. And he ends up running into Harris, who's reading a D&D book. Yeah, like we, like you do. And we have a scene between the two of these, these two characters that should never speak. Yeah. Uh, and he asks 
Harris, am I a loser? And Harris's response is, well, you have sex, so no, but if you weren't having sex, yeah. Uh, it's a great guy. I yeah. really love Harris. Yeah, we this, don't see a lot of Harris, but I'm always happy to see him. And then he's do. like, "You'd make a great DM mm-hmm. in Dungeons and Dragons." And it's the first time because he's reading the monster manual during this conversation. But it's interesting because it's clearly the first time Daniel's ever been told he could be a thing. Yes. So you just you can see it like he lights up the idea that someone believes he could accomplish a thing, even though he doesn't know what it means. Yeah, like, oh, I would be good at a thing. Yeah. What that thing is, I do not know. This is such a weird scene, but, like, I could do a whole video essay on this scene. This scene is, like, it's crazy, and it also doesn't, like, fit. Yeah. So we get to the mathlete scrimmage, and Nick and Kim arrive independently of one another. Yeah, and to Nick initially, Lindsay. And Nick initially flees. Yeah. We see him later in the episode. But he sees Kim and flees at first. Yeah, because he thought he was just going alone to support Lindsay. And then he kind of makes up a lie that he was just killing time. And then he, like, skirts out. But Kim's there to support Lindsay, which is very nice. And so uh, her parents also come. I think partially to, like, check. Yeah. Have you been going to Mathletes? Mm Mm-hmm. And... She has her round of questions. Yeah, it's basically they you get you do like this head to head face off with this kid from another school. And best of 5. Best of 5 and they just give you like a weird math question. Yeah, a weird hard math question and if you raise your hand first with the correct answer, you have won. Yes. Uh Lindsay white absolutely mops the floor yes. with her. The, the answer to the first question is 42, which Clearly is on purpose. Yes. Uh, But Lindsay crushes. And when she looks up, the the freaks, Daniel, Ken, and Kim, are seated in the back. Holding up a piece of a car. Yes. Now, this is a debate that me and Laura have been having. I believe, because earlier in the episode, Mr. Weir says... It's been taking forever for me to get a new bumper. I look like a hillbilly. I believe what happens is Lindsay looks up and the geeks hold up a bumper that they got from Mr. Weir. Uh, I think they're just holding up a random piece of garbage because they're weird. Because it's like spray painted and crappy and doesn't look like a bumper. I, I think it's the front of a car. Like, I don't think it's like a chrome bumper. I think it's like a plastic bumper. And I could totally believe that it's like, I found one. (laughs) And then like, and like Mr. Weir being like, this doesn't fit my car, but thank you for the gesture. But I honestly think it's them trying to make good. Well, if they had had 15 seconds less of Sam preening in front of a mirror and had a couple lines of dialogue. (laughs) It would explain this. Because if that's the case, it definitely helps the freaks in a major way. I didn't get that from this. Well, th- there's something really funny to me that your first instinct is, oh, the freaks came to support Lindsay and brought part of the car from the accident with them. But we don't get told anything else. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I don't think that's what happened. 
But you could convince me that's what happened, and it's the funniest thing in the world to me. I was like, Lindsay, remember the car accident? We're here to support you. Yeah, like, I, I'm to the point where I'm like, hi. Uh, in any case, uh, after Lindsay crushes, she says something subtly snide to Shelly. Like, yes. one of those, like, good lucks that don't really mean good luck. Yeah. And Shelly... Girl war. ...has been arithmically broken... By yes, by what has happened, and she just sits down and <laughs> starts to cry as a math question is read, and she's just lost. Yeah, because Lindsay <laughs> was so good at math in front of her. Yeah, and like Kacheski and her parents give her a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually like a little bit of a feel good moment for Lindsay uh, that like. Mm-hmm. She comes back and she earns her way back. I just want to say, no, <laughs> Shelly is the bad guy in every anime. Yeah, she worked hard. She, she worked really she hard. She she studied. She's obs- like she works hard, and then the main character that's been herpaterping through life. Shows up and like, I'm going to be a mathlete again. And he's just a hundred times better just because protagonist. Yes. Absolutely. So so Gary Oak loses and Lindsay Ash Ketchum is now the hero of the mathletes. So we get to Millie's sleepover and Lindsay's lying awake as uh, the rest of the girls are like chatting about being mathletes. And then after they fall asleep, Lindsay sneaks out. Yeah, she's like, I have to go home. And Millie naively goes, you need to use your own toilet. (laughs) I love Millie. Which is relatable as hell. Who among us has not been at a friend's house and desperately been like, I need to use my own bathroom Yeah, I'd like, yeah, this is not where I will be pooping. (laughs) So uh, Lindsay's like, I don't want to be a mathlete. I can't do this. And she assures Millie they'll always be friends. In a crushing scene. This broke my heart because Millie, she doesn't say... Can we be friends still? What she actually says is, can we still play Uno sometimes? Because Millie just desperately misses her friend, Lindsay. Yeah. And Lindsay's like, of course. And Millie agrees Mm -hmm. and knows it's not true. Yeah. It mirrors the, uh, the interaction between the geeks and Mira. What's her name? The girl that they, they take for Ritz. Maureen. Maureen. Where, like, Lindsay honestly doesn't realize that she's never going to be good friends with Millie again in this moment. Yeah, she mm. believes that she's going to. But Millie knows better. And, but is playing along. Like, I thought this was just, it, it's heart-wrenching, but it's so well done. And in this moment, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm looking around going, man, Millie's got like, she's still got like a girl posse and she's got friends. You kind of almost feel like Millie's better off without Lindsay. Yeah. She then, uh, Lindsay then sneaks off and finds the freaks. And Kim is insisting they go see a foreign film. Yes. Because Kim wants to be better and Mm -hmm. Kim wants to be academic. Uh, And Kim 
instantly forgives Lindsay when she sees her. Yes. And then Nick asks to talk to her. He's like, I'm glad you're feeling better about our breakup. Yes. And I have super... I I hate this ending. Yeah. Yeah. The the ending is she gets welcomed back into the group. The freaks are the freaks. Like Ken's first thought is, hey, by the way, Lindsay, can we borrow your dad's car? Yeah. So like, let's immediately joke about the thing that, that split us up for a bit. And then they all get into the car together and they're all friends again. Yeah. And we see Lindsay smile as they ride off into the night and then credits. Because she, you know, she wouldn't be still super grounded. And the first thing she does is go out and violate her parents' trust again. Yes. I'm like, oh, those, so those tears were fake as hell. Uh, You're sorry you got caught. Oh, see, here, here's, here we go, folks. When we watched this episode, on the tip of my tongue were the words, this is one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. And before I could get that out, Laura said, ah! that exact thing. <laughs> like, that's not an exaggeration. She just screamed like that. And I was like, is she screaming because this episode is so good? And then we went for a walk for an hour <laughs> about this episode. And I had a dissertation. Would you like to go first? Uh, I think this is one of those episodes where the continuity, the lack of continuity kills the show for me a little okay. bit. Because I think the geeks kind or I think the freaks get off a little too easy. Mm-hmm. Like they don't, we don't see enough. Like if then we're actually trying to make good on the accident and we could have had a 15 second scene where that's established, maybe if, we saw them kind of work a little bit for Lindsay's friendship, maybe. But all we've seen is them screw Lindsay over, manipulate Lindsay, treat Lindsay poorly. And she just kind of goes back to them. And it creates this false dichotomy to me of the only two options Lindsay has are burnout or mathlete. There's so many other things you can be in high school. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we also could have gotten a really cool arc with Kim. That we, I feel like we kind of got robbed of a little bit. Okay. Of Kim realizing if she wants to be a lawyer, she has to be more. And Kim trying to emulate Lindsay a little bit. Uh, I, if the show hadn't been canceled, I think it would have been really cool to push this conflict to the end of the season. Okay. And have the last part of the episode. This only works if you get renewed. Right. But the last scene of the episode... Be Lindsay getting her cafeteria tray, looking around the cafeteria and realizing she has no idea where to sit anymore. Mm-hmm. Credits. So the the one thing I want to bring up is that was your rewrite for the ending of this episode. Because, and these are your words, the ending that we got was so tragic. Yes. Because you believe that it is tragic that she ends up with the freaks. That she ends up immediately back with the freaks. Yes. They do nothing to earn it. Like, they go to her meet. Oh my gosh, you showed up to one thing you didn't want to go to. Whoop-de-doo. Like, they don't really apologize to her. They... It gets especially unpalatable when we get to another episode. And I will get to why mm-hmm. I hate this. I think it's the next episode we talk about. Yeah. Uh, and, mm, yes, I think it's the next one we talk about. Uh, why it gets particularly unpalatable to me. Okay. So this is my view of this episode, is 
Lindsay gets to a breaking point because she doesn't see the value of her friendship with these people. And these people have not done a good job being her friend. When she breaks off, it's when they realize, like, oh, Lindsay's not just this new girl that's in our friend circle. She's our friend, and we screwed up and we miss her. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to get her back by not making fun of her, but, like, understanding. Like, they don't say, like, don't go to Mathletes, hang out with us. They're like, well, she's a Mathlete now, and she's our friend, so we're going to Mathletes now. It kind of mirrored to me the way Sam's friends go to the uh, casting of the mascot. Yeah. It's like, I don't know why they're there, but okay. Uh, So what I find so interesting with Lindsay's arc in this is... Lindsay's becoming the daughter that her parents want. She's back to being a mathlete who cares about her grades and all these things. However, Lindsay is an objectively worse person when she's a mathlete. Fair. She's vindictive. She's obsessive. Like, she wants to crush this girl, Shelly, who has done nothing wrong. The only thing that she's done wrong is point out Lindsay's mistakes. Yeah. Like, she says nothing incorrect. She's just like, she just showed up. She doesn't, she hasn't earned anything. And that offends Lindsay. So Lindsay crushes this girl. And then as she's at the sleepover, she's like, this doesn't make me happy. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing to the outside world. I am so much better as this person. But in my heart and soul, I'm a terrible person here. I'm not happy here. When's the last time I was happy? Mm -hmm. The last time I was happy was with the freaks. It's a failure of the show that we don't see the freaks actually make her happy very often. She seems like she's bored and miserable with them a lot. I agree. I think that you could have done a little bit of better time showing her happy. Like, we do see her rock out with the band a few times. We also see her bored with the band a few times. Right. We do see her laughing and happy when she's driving the car. So, I honestly believe that the the point that we're supposed to get out of this is it would be nice if the mathletes made her happy. Yeah. But it doesn't. It makes her a bad person. And she needs to find her happiness elsewhere. And she's looking for it with the freaks. And right now, that's a happier person. And while it's not the best, I think it tells a good and very real story that I really enjoyed in this. I mean, I think it tells a really a real story. But I think it's a sad story. Like, I don't... My old life didn't make me happy. So I'm going to go back to these people who didn't treat me all that well. Because it was something. Right. Like, to her, I feel like she considers her three choices to be with the freaks, a mathlete, or to be nothing. And... The nothing will eventually, you will eventually find what you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Instead, she goes and stays with the freaks. I do consider that a sad ending. They don't treat her that well. We don't see these better moments. We just see her continually manipulated and mistreated by these people. I can't find it a happy ending that she goes back to them. Sorry. I mean, you don't have to apologize. I'm just saying, like, that is my interpretation of it. 
Like, th- this podcast is about our interpretation of this. And, like, that's mine and that's yours. Yeah, and I wish you'd have some self-respect. Like, And I totally understand feeling like... like I could also see the ending where it's like, I'm going to go hang out with cheerleaders. <laughs> like, I totally, like, get that. But to me, this is the you-can-never-go-home-again story. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, man, maybe I'll just be who I used to be. It, it just doesn't work anymore. And I think it's told very, very well. I, I agree. And um, this is the other thing I think here is I, I just you wish Lindsay would have a little self-respect. Like I I would want more out of these people as far as like a genuine apology and, you mm-hmm. know, maybe a baby step or two more in the right direction. Yes. I also have the side theory that I'll throw out here, which is it seems to me like there's not a lot of continuity. So she worked really, really hard to become a mathlete, knowing full well that when the episode ended, she'd be back to square one because that's how that show ends. <laughs> and that's how that show works. It's like, wow, I could either work really hard to be good at math and then reset or just go do dumb stuff with these idiots and then reset and have no consequences. I'm going to do dumb stuff. Yeah, down with continuity. These I- are jokes. <laughs> I think I, I think that actually brings up the biggest issue I've been having with the show is in a vacuum, I do enjoy each individual episode. Mm-hmm. This was made in the late 90s before widespread DVD release, mm-hmm. before streaming. This was before binge watching. Right. So you were not watching one of these a day or two of these a day. Yeah. The way we are for this show. Right. And I think if you weren't watching these at that pace, you might have a better opinion of everybody because you didn't go like, he was just a piece of crap to her yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a a good point. So the next episode uh, airs more than a month later. A month? Yes. Uh, Episode 11 aired February 7th. And episode 12 airs March 13th. Yeah. So I, I want, this is why I wanted to start bringing up air dates. Because when we have this, this is the exact, everyone else is watching it the exact opposite way that I, we are. Yeah. They're waiting weeks and we're waiting hours. And we don't have or to. Or no wait. time. Yeah. Like we're waiting hours because I like to break the show up to like. Because <laughs> we get hungry. <laughs> so. I think we're going to do the freak storyline first because the geeks are the obvious A-plot here. Okay. We open with... Well, we actually... We open on the geeks. But the first freak scene is the freaks are watching the marching band. Yes, and they're just making fun of the marching band. Because, God forbid, anyone have interests. Right. And I I used to be in the marching band, so I'm like, yeah, stop being mean to the marching band. I I legitimately had the thought, like, because things were tense. When we sat down to watch the next Freaks and Geeks, because we had an hour discussion about the previous episode and whether or not it was happy or not. And I was like, please be good. Please be good. Please be good. And then I turned it on. The first thing I saw were the Freaks making fun of the band. I was like, this is not the impression you want to make right now, Freaks and Geeks. Laura's not going to care for this. Yeah, I I did soften a lot of my language. Uh, Not that I was swearing. I just threw around words like pathetic. Um, So... Uh, there's a female tuba player who actually, she's playing the sousaphone, but whatever. <laughs> um, and 
they give her a bunch of crap. And Lindsay stands up for her because Lindsay is friends with Tuba Girl. Tuba Girl. Yes. Amy. That's how they say it every time. Yes, that's why. Uh, which is why I think it, they do that. Tuba Girl. Because Sousaphone Girl doesn't really. Yes, Sousaphone Girl is really hard to say. Ken uh, kind of just like makes fun of Lindsay. Oh, and this is when Ken goes, hey, Lindsay, I have a great idea. Why don't you break up our band so you can make out with Nick? Oh, wait, you did that already. So and the band's broken up in the next episode, despite having a gig in the previous episode, despite breaking up six episodes ago. Well, I, well, they might be back together, and then Ken's just referencing the time that they broke up. True. But I will say, this is a fun thing with this show. Anytime there's any hint of continuity, Laura and I get real excited and point at the screen. Like, <gasps> there is continuity! This is the episode that makes me start looking up who writes each individual episode. And okay. I have found people tend to refer back to the episodes they, they themselves wrote. wrote. Okay. Uh, which I found super interesting. Paul Feig wrote every episode, but he didn't write every episode alone. Alone. Gotcha. So uh, we get to just Ken, Kim, and Lindsay. And Ken flees. <laughs> and it's really funny because... We get Kim and Lindsay and Daniel and Nick in parallel scenes. Kim tells Lindsay to be a bitch. To Nick. To Nick to not lead him on. Yes. Because she's not into Nick. She doesn't want to be dating Nick. So she's supposed to be mean to him. Daniel tells Nick to give Lindsay the cold shoulder because Lindsay will come crawling back to him. Yeah. So they're just being mean to each other this whole episode. So they're at the diner and they run into Amy. Tuba girl. Tuba girl. And... Ken can't resist making fun of Tuba Girl to her face. And Amy gives as good as she gets. Hey, uh, Sergeant Pepper, where's the rest of the Lonely Hearts Club band? Well, looks like you ate them. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Yeah, Ken, what are the twins do? That's not nice. Lindsay, is this bonehead a friend of yours? No, he's just a pain in my ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. well, see you later, Elvis. Good luck with those mutton chops. Oh, she rips Ken apart. She annihilates him. Oh, my next note. She is Amy and I love her. Yes. Because I think that's when we learn her name. She's like, I've decided to be the best character in this show and your mutton chops are stupid. Uh, So the freaks want to go to Laser Dome because they're doing Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. And they want to watch this laser light show. Uh, I like the joke that literally none of the women want to go. But they yeah. all are going to go because they don't have anything better to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, laser dome's stupid. You don't want to go? No, I'll go. <laughs> uh, I have a note that during the lunch scene, during which we see the freaks and the geeks, everyone's drinking those weird cubby juices. And I don't know why I felt the need to make a note about yes. that. So I got to point this out because to me, this one line is the entire payoff for Ken's character. Yeah. Ken has shown no emotion this entire show. Like, everything's, like, monotone and sarcastic. And then he can't stop staring at Tuba Girl. And they ask him, like, do you have a thing for Tuba Girl? And his response is simply, I feel odd. I feel odd. Yes. Which is, because he's having an emotion and he can't compute it. I was like, this is this was a good... We waited 12 episodes for this. And it's great. <laughs> and Daniel is ecstatic. Daniel is so excited to see Ken like somebody. Yeah. Like, 
genuinely, it's one of the moments you like Daniel most. Yeah. Is he's super happy for his friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, my next note. Oh, the show remembered Seth Rogen's here. Yeah. So, uh, we get this moment where Lindsay offers to ask Amy to go to the laser dome with them, but Ken has to be nice to her. And Ken has been so sarcastic. He goes, I'm, I'll be an angel. And yeah. Lindsay just glares at him and he goes, I swear I'm being sincere. Like, <laughs> I'm be like, I'm being honest. Yeah, I know it's not a thing I do, but. So Lindsay catches Amy after band and Amy just asks Lindsay to join the band. And because Lindsay's like, I wish I played an instrument. And Amy's like, join band. Yeah, you'll have to. And then Lindsay straight up just tells Amy the whole thing. She's like, my friend likes you uh, and you want to go to the laser dome with us? And Amy, laser dome sucks. So you don't want to go? No, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> Which I love. I want to touch his mutton chops. And during this, uh, Daniel tells the boys that it's this tortoise in the hair thing. He is waiting out Kim. Mm-hmm. And Kim will eventually tire herself out and come back to Daniel when she's mad at him. Mm-hmm. Like they did to Lindsay in the last episode. They wait for Lindsay to just stop being mad at them. And she comes back. I understand that interpretation if you don't think they got a bumper for her dad. <laughs> yes. So that's why I was like. Uh, so they all go to Laser Dome. Amy is snarky to Ken, but he is desperately trying not to snark at her. Uh, Lindsay and Nick go and there's an empty chair between them. Yeah. And then uh, Kim's mad at Daniel because Daniel hooked up with another girl at Laser Dome. When they were broken up. Mm -hmm. And Kim picks a fight about it and he just gray rocks her about it. Yeah. I have a moment of, this is a hyper-realistic group date. Yeah. Because it's miserable. It's like, no one's sitting really near each other because they're trying to give each other the space to make out if if need be. Yeah. And also, none of the dates are going all that well at this point. Right. So they went to go see Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. That's next week. It's Southern Rock Night. Yeah. Devil Devil went went down down to Georgia. Georgia With lasers. (laughs) Looking for soul to steal. Uh, My next note is, that was an expensive bit. Yeah, it's a real expensive bit. And Nick and Lindsay both crack up. We do get the laser show for a little bit, and it is crappy. Yeah. So, uh, Amy gets up and gets uh, hot dogs for her and Ken. Mm-hmm. And Daniel coaches Ken on how to get a girl to kiss him, and she just tells him to stare at her. Yeah, to stare at her until there's nothing else to do but for her to kiss you. So she, Amy comes back with a hot dog and pops, and Ken just stares to the point where Amy's like, so what? <laughs> Why do you keep staring at me? And Ken just bluntly goes, I want to kiss you. And Amy's like, oh, okay, cool. And then they make out, and it's very sweet. And Seth on the DVD commentary, uh, which was done shortly after the show, uh, says, I don't understand how people can watch, have watched themselves have sex in film because he couldn't watch himself kiss. <laughs> and apparently he had so many breath mints, he almost threw up. <laughs> That's incredible, knowing that he would later go on to be in Zack and Miri make a porno. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I actually included that bit. Uh, meanwhile, Lindsay apologizes to Nick for being mean, but doesn't want to, she's like, I don't want to lead you on. And I kind of thought you still liked me. 
And Nick's like, you're conceited. And she's like, ha ha ha, punches him lightly on the arm. Mm-hmm. And then he turns to front and we see that he's getting upset. Yeah. I believe he says out loud, this is unbelievably painful. Later. Oh. He does, though. Uh, so Daniel successfully waits Kim out. Kim comes down and, like, snuggles with Daniel some more. And that's when uh, a couple scenes go by that with the geeks and then Nick admits it's painful. And so it's Nick, their storyline ends with Nick and Lindsay still sitting apart, Daniel and Kim cuddling, and Amy and Ken making out, and she is stroking them mutton chops. Yeah, stroke them chops, baby. And the guy next to Amy and uh, Ken has his arm around two different women and oh, nothing to say. Yeah, as the, I really want to set this up. They show everyone like making out. And because they're seated far apart, there's a lot of people in the shot. And as it fades back, Laura gets up and yells, what is that guy about? (laughs) And it's just a guy with his arm around two different women. It's like, I want that guy's story. I think that's one of my other problems with this show is at least every episode has at least one character where I'm like, I wish we were following them. Yeah, why aren't they the protagonist? It's often Millie. Not always, but often. It's often Millie. And uh, so that's that's the freak storyline. It's, I, I do like this storyline. I think it's mm-hmm. a fun storyline for them. Uh, so now we get the A plot, which is the geeks, which is significantly more serious. Yes. The cold open of this show is Bill asleep. They're staying over Neil's house and they're staying up late to watch SNL. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Schweiber brings them ice cream, establishing that he's the cool dad. Yes. And he, they're chatting about SNL. How much they miss Bill Murray. Yes, because they love Bill Murray. There's some continuity. There's some continuity for you. And Sam wants an Atari. Yes. They're talking about Ataris. And then the next day, Sam is uh, has to go with uh, Jean to the mall. Yes. Because uh, she's looking at microwaves. And yeah. he's looking at Ataris. Well, this is funny to me. Because they're not going to look for a microwave. Yeah, I forget why they go to the mall. I forget why they go to the mall as well, but someone stops them and is like, would you like to see a demonstration? Because this is pre-microwaves. Yeah. And there was a time where people didn't trust microwaves because they cooked things too quickly, so they kind of thought it was witchcraft. And I remember as a kid being told repeatedly, like, don't don't be too close to a microwave when it's on. Yeah. Because it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah, like microwaves, I just uh, pulled up some quick research. Only about a quarter of U.S. households uh, owned a microwave by 1986 per Wired magazine. Yeah. So they now, were not very common at that point. Yeah. Now they are they come with the apartment. <laughs> yeah. Today, almost 90% of American households have a microwave oven. Source, Wired magazine in 2010. So... They catch Jean with that, and then Nick, uh, Sam goes, I am going to look at Ataris. And she's yeah. like, okay. And he goes to look at the Ataris. All of the Atari props are from a museum, by the way. And he sees Dr. Schreiber hugging a woman who is not Neil's mother. Right. Oh, because we do meet Neil's mom briefly. Uh, she's a stay-at-home mom who plays tennis. Yeah. Just- and her, she's like, my full-time job is being this one chauffeur. Come here, baby angel. Yeah. And so we establish who Neil's mom is so that we know the woman Dr. Schweiber is hugging isn't her. Yeah. And Dr. Schweiber says, like, don't tell Neil I was here. We're surprising him with the Atari. Yeah. This is my friend from high school. I just happened to run into her. Yes. 
And uh, the next day, Neil comes in and he's like, yo, my dad got me an Atari. Yeah. And Neil gets up to go get something and Sam tells Bill what he saw. Yeah. And we get this great moment of like them trying to explain nuances of hugging. Well, I'd like to point out that if Sam is not supposed to tell Neil because the Atari is a surprise, Mm -hmm. he now has the Atari. Yeah. So in the lie that the father has built up, Sam can reveal what he saw now. Yeah. Like, it's very dumb. So, uh, it's not a good bit for uh, Dr. Schweiber. Uh, We get a scene where they're at Neil's house playing asteroids. Yes. Dr. Schweiber comes in and it instantly becomes awkward. Yeah. Because Sam and Bill know something. Yes. And Neil and Dr. Schweiber are like, Neil doesn't know. Yeah. And Dr. Schweiber knows Sam knows something. Mm Mm-hmm. So Sam gets home and Gene kind of scolds him like, you're welcome to go to your friend's house after school, but you have to tell me where you are. Yeah. Like super reasonable mom thing. Because he was like, I was at Neil's playing the Atari. I think at this point they do tell Neil. Because there's this whole thing of... Yes. We share everything with each other. Yes. And since... Sam has shared it with Bill. Bill actually tells Neil. Yeah, and Bill has an entire story about pooping himself. I know, but there are no secrets between us. That's our code, remember? It's easy for you to say. You don't have any secrets. Remember that time in science class when I tried to sneak out a fart, but it came out of poop, and then I had to flush my undies down the toilet? Do you think I wanted to tell you guys that? Yeah. But the uh, NBC network begged them to cut. Uh, they didn't cut it. But they include it because it's a story that Bill wouldn't want him to share with anybody. But because they're such good friends and they share everything, he told it to them. So, uh, Gene tells Sam, like, well, go get go to bed early. You have a 7 a.m. checkup with Dr. Schweiber. He's able to get your cleaning in early. Yes. How terrifying. Absolutely. So, meanwhile... Uh, Neil, sitting in his dad's car, and checks the glove box, rifles under the car, and under the seat, he finds a garage door opener. Yeah. For not their garage. Yeah. Because he holds up their own garage. Because Neil doesn't want to believe it, of course. But then he discovers this, and now something suspicious is going on. So, uh, Neil wasn't on the bus this morning. He shows up to school, and Sam is just trying to back talk. Because Sam goes to the dentist, and it's... You can you can talk about the scene. It's painfully awkward. So, yeah. First like, off, imagine this scenario in your life. You have to get up early and go to the dentist and then go to school. That's already terrifying. Yeah. He gets into the chair and the dentist puts like a thing in his mouth that like holds his cheeks back and says, you and me need to talk. Very much setting the precedent of you will not be doing any talking. Yeah. But you will be doing some listening because I have some stuff to say. And he kind of says, like... You're acting a little differently when I saw you yesterday. Open, please. And uh, I tell you, I was a little bit hurt. Uh, I, I just didn't feel well. Well, you know what I think? I think that you may have thought you saw something that you didn't see the other night. I didn't see anything. Spit. And, uh... And you didn't say anything to Neil or to anybody else about uh, meeting my friend, hmm? No. 
Good. So people love nothing more than gossiping about about seeing someone spending time with another woman who isn't their wife. And kind of like leans on him. And he never says anything like openly threatening. But the whole time you're waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's very Marathon Man, uh, which is the is it safe, the like dental torture scene. Uh, I felt like this was supposed to kind of evoke. I thought this was supposed to evoke Marathon Man. I've never seen Marathon Man. I only know the reference from Clerks, the animated series. (laughs) Is it safe? Is what safe? Is it safe? Yes, it's safe. It's very safe. Is it safe? Listen, are you gonna come out or what? Is it safe? This isn't funny. It puts the lotion on its skin and puts it in the basket. Shut up, man. Is it safe? Is it safe? Stop it! I just want some smokes! I just want some smokes! Is it safe? Fair enough. Sam awkwardly tries to defend Neil's dad to him and was like, I didn't see anything. It was nothing. I didn't. It was just a high school friend. (laughs) <laughs> and then the boys do the triumph triangle gambit. Neil tells his parents he's eating at Bill's house. Bill tells his parents he's eating at Sam's. Sam tells his parents he's going to Neil's. Yes. The triangle gambit. Mm-hmm. The plan is to just ride bikes around and try this garage door opener to see if it opens anywhere. Which is a decent plan. And then Neil asks Sam if his dad ever cheated. After a long montage of them trying the clicker, they take a break and Sam goes, my dad's too old to want to make out with anybody. Yes. Not, never mind that he was like, Neil and Bill were at his house when they were awkwardly listening to their, to Sam's parents have sex. Yes. So, uh, they have, they continue to look and Neil doesn't want to go home, but Bill and Sam do. They have to because their parents they're are children. <laughs> and so they have this like terrible moment where Neil is just out alone. Out alone on his bike, just playing with this clicker, hoping to find something. Meanwhile, Sam comes home to find his, his parents, parents. Sitting on the couch waiting for him and he thinks he's in trouble. Yeah. And they're like, we want to talk to you. Sometimes it's worth spending the extra money. When you have a good kid. Yeah. And they stand up and part, and they've bought Sam the Atari. Yes. There's an Atari. I want to point this out. They, they show an Atari, and they show the game Adventure. And then the dad says, I hope you can teach me how to play Space Invaders. But you didn't buy him Space Invaders. You bought him Adventure. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. So, that it, thank you for um, actually this very emotional moment. <laughs> Sam... Sees the Atari and cries into Harold's chest, grateful for his family, in a way that his parents think he's just that moved by the Atari. Yeah. But he's so grateful for his intact family with his loving parents. Mm -hmm. So the last scene we get with them is just Neil out alone riding his bike, every house clicking the garage. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we do get a fake out where something opens, but it's a completely different house. Yeah, and like, yeah, something opens and a car is actually going into it. Like yeah. the clicker didn't open it. And he opens the clicker and his dad's distinct red Camaro 
is in the garage. Yes, because it has... A license plate that says, I flossed. I flossed. <laughs> and he wings the clicker at his dad's license plate. And we get a long shot of the license plate so that we know exactly what it is. Yeah. Credits. Yep. And then Laura and I look at each other and go, that was a cliffhanger. Yeah, there has to be consequences. We got it like we gotta open on Neil in this next episode, or else there are gonna be problems <laughs> with this show. Because they set up a lot. Here we go. Episode 13. Unfortunately, that's actually gonna do it for this episode of Stay Doomed. We were recording this episode late at night, and uh, Laura and I both have gotten our boosters, so we're very tired. And we were trying to record part two of part three later in the week, and we just never had it in us. So rather than release a bad episode, we decided we would release a short episode. So we're still working on what this is going to do to the schedule, but for now, thank you so much for watching or listening to another episode of Stay Doomed. And please be sure to... Follow us here on Twitter at Stay Doomed, or you can email us at thisstaydoomshow at gmail.com. Till next time, stay doomed.